This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Can Hi, we, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Uh, good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the Warthog Manly Command Center Man Cave in the Melbourne Law Studio. 352-325-3938. Probably wearing my hat the rest of the week. I'm doing this uh, skin peel deal, which is opposed to uh, take care of any big C cancer before it arrives on your head. So I'm kind of uh, sunburned up top. I'll leave the lid on for a while. It's a Ward Scott Files hat, though. It's pretty cool. Uh, for enough demand, I'd probably make some more of them and hand them out. But we'll see how that goes. We're uh, going to talk today about the state of the uh, this, that, one, and another, but the title of the show today is Sophisticated State Failure. But we're seeing on the local level and the national level, uh, not in Florida, though, we're seeing some pretty sophisticated state failure. People have been asking me what's behind the curtain here at the uh, local Gainesville City Council Commission Administration. And uh, what you have uh, is, uh, near as I can get other people to say it who are in government, they'll, they'll just simply say dysfunctional. So uh, the other people in government here, even like the county, which is pretty, uh, pretty, you know, pretty bland in itself with its commissioners, probably the most bland group of commissioners at the county that I've seen in quite a while. Just, uh, and they might, might as well be dressing up and go to church or something. They, they really don't have much to, you know, much I, I, what can I say? Much presence, but they're drawing eighty thousand dollars a year. You know, it's uh, that's the, that's the shame of it all, and it's a part-time job. And um, I've even had people complain downtown that they also get a reserved parking spot. So uh, everything's all uh, you know hunky dory for the um, uh, state of government, except uh, it fails, and it's a very sophisticated failure. And you have to look closely at it to see that it's failing. You have to look beyond the rhetoric. You have to look beyond the verbiage. And that's what I intend to do today in class with you students is help you uh, with your reading list and things that you might think about and write about. Um, is um, I don't think we'll ever have a receivership by the governor, by the way, Jim. Uh, that's way out there down the line. There's got a lot of uh, uh, coffers they can still steal from before then. Primarily, they have the big cash cow, uh, the utility, which they'll, uh, their track record is any indication. They'll drive it completely under the ground before it's over. Uh, but there's really nobody over there for, for quite a while now is much known where the money is. Uh, we go all the way back to the Buttlift Bandit. It took forever to find her and her uh, stealing from the county or the city, I mean. And uh, there's been other examples of this where it just nobody much knows where the money is. And uh, when you have political meddling at the commission level with the city managers, um, you really have a problem. The art of being a city manager is to, to control the city commissioners and to make them think as if they know what they're doing and to make them look good. And then go ahead and uh, do, hello, Robert, we're going to talk about Robert retiring in a little bit. But, um, uh, and, and Robert knows this, he's a commissioner, Robert Wolford's been retiring as a commissioner at the city of Alachua. But the art of, of being a good city manager is to help the commissioners be informed and to look good and to not let them sort of be pitted against each other and remind them that, you know, this is for the good of the city, which you're governing, not for the good of your own uh, ideology or your own uh, professional image, which is what we have going on in the city of Gainesville. We don't have any leadership there. So we have very sophisticated state failure. And usually the first one to get it in the neck when this happens is the city manager. And uh, when I went to Archer, for example, I think they had um, fired about five city managers in a row. 
And the problem was, as, as soon as I got there, I saw what the problem was. The problem wasn't the city managers, it was the commissioners. And all it takes is a couple of loudmouths, and we had them in Archer, uh, to run things into the ground. And that's what was going on, and nobody could control them. And so, um, you know, I went in there and began to identify what the issues were and deal with them. But I wasn't a professional city manager, nor did I ever want to be. Uh, because uh, then you were at the beck and call of these people. You've got all your uh, eggs in that one basket, and it's, it's not the best way to live your life. Uh, at the whims of these political winds that blow uh, these ill-prepared uh, people into these commission seats quite often ill-prepared. Some of them are pretty good people. Robert Wilford was one of them in my book here, who's just checked in here from the city of Alachua. Uh, so, so um, you know, that, that, that's the way it, uh, it seems to go in the city of Gainesville right now. You've got bogus leadership. You've got uh, uh, the boy named Lauren. Uh, you've got uh, banana pudding. Uh, you've got uh, the communist Cuban. Uh, I've got names for all of them uh, if, they, if they merit a name. Otherwise, why I don't even notice them. Uh, don't have much to say about the Duncan lady. Um, you know, it is what it is. You always get, you don't change much when you change uh, the black representative. It's always the race card. Uh, so it doesn't really matter who the black is. Um, it's always, as I say, the race card. And the race card is primarily used by the liberal whites uh, to get what they want and uh, to make the poor folks uh, uh, of the minority race think they're included, which they never are. Uh, Gainesville is a perfect example of that. No economic development, no infrastructure, uh, a lot of crime, incompetent uh, police chief, who, by the way, to hide that incompetence, just got moved over in the Peter principle up rather than down. Um, you know, and, and that will that that sooner or later will reveal itself. Uh, but then you've got, as I understand it, Lonnie Scott taking over. So you, I know Lonnie very well, but it's another minority and it's another attempt to uh, address East Gainesville and give it lip service because it doesn't change anything. Uh, in fact, it's gotten worse. If you go back and look at the crime rate since Tony Jones was put in, homegrown guy, uh, he lives in a mobile out on the Lincoln, uh, old Lincoln High School grounds, um, as I understand it, um, uh, purportedly to take care of the security there, but, you know, I won't get into all that, but but uh, you know, supposedly he was put in there to help knock back, you know, the, the black crime, the black youth gang crime. And you can see what's happened. It's just gotten worse and worser and worser. Uh, so you, you never know. Um, you, you don't really you don't get it fired in government uh, in this sophisticated title and sophisticated state failure that we all are experiencing on many levels. Uh, you don't get fired, you get promoted. Um, and, you know, it's, it would never occur. Well, I guess it can occur in the private world, but sooner or later that would catch up with you and uh, you would lose the, quote, uh, sacred customer. And nobody would, would uh, acquire or enjoy or seek out your sacred product. But government doesn't have any product. Um, once these people are in office, they're really scot-free. Uh, they don't really have anybody to to hold them up and, and hold them accountable for anything. I'm going to get into that with Biden in a moment. But, um, um, you know, you're talking to somebody who's been in the government world, who's been a manager, who has run for the commission offices, who's managed campaigns. So um, probably as well informed as anybody in this community about government. Unfortunately, it's not something I set out to do. I never will forget when one of my friends came to me and said, oh, you ought to run for the county commission. And the assumption was, oh, my golly, everybody knows you. Well, the first thing I realized when I was dumb enough to accept the offer to run for the county commission uh, as a Democrat at, at that time, because I'd been working with Senator Graham. I'd helped bring the Board of Governors to the state of Florida. Uh, I've been a four-time Senate president at Santa Fe. Uh, but I really wasn't a liberal. I was an old-fashioned conservative Democrat. I didn't even know the progressive Democrat existed until I got into the race and realized they were against me. And the Republicans were for me. The Republicans put nobody up against me. And uh, 
they said Ward's our kind of guy. He represents us. We're, he's right in the middle. We're in the middle, so let's back him. And of course, uh, the hanky panky of the primary system allows a write-in, and uh, they put in a write-in a guy who didn't even have an address. Uh, well, you can call an address, but when you ride by the address, it was an empty house with grass growing up through the front porch uh, in a poor part of town. And so that's how porous um, the election system is. And I looked at that and I said, you know, this is scandalous. And I remember going to Rod Smith and saying, what are you going to do about this? He said, oh, we're going to change this. Well, you see what's happened, right? That ain't changed. And the other thing I realized when I got out there is I, nobody knew me. Um, you know, you, you, you think everybody knows you because your buddies tell you to go do something? That's just your buddies. Stand out in front of uh, 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 the mall or stand out somewhere and see how many people know you. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, you know, very, very few people will know you. Now, meanwhile, if you're running against an incumbent, your incumbent is getting free advertisement 24-7. At least they were whenever the Gainesville Sunset had reporters. Uh, right now, it's really mostly uh, a, a syndicate, a network, doesn't have but two local reporters. I suspect they're over sports writers. So, um, you know, it might not be as advantageous now uh, to, uh, uh, because the Gainesville Sun was always, although the Gainesville Sun endorsed me, the Gainesville Sun endorsed me against Mike Byerly in the primary, and I still lost to Byerly because I learned, and I had 100% of the black vote for me and uh, made the black ministers ballot as a Democrat, have had black ministers pray for me in the congregation to win. And that was an eye opener for me because I suddenly realized that the white liberal didn't give a damn about the black folks, didn't give a damn and still doesn't give a damn, but they're willing to pay lip service to get the vote. And unfortunately, uh, I don't think there's anything a Republican could do um, that would ever, you know, change the herd mentality of the black folk. And, you know, it's human nature. It's a human condition. So they refuse uh, really to open their eyes. And, you know, the irony is that I went to a, a talk where uh, Jesse Jackson was there. And I, this never made the papers. This has never made the news. Jesse Jackson told the following story, okay? He told this all-black congregation, I was there, I mean, I was running as a Democrat in the primary um, and had 100 percent of the black endorsement. And so uh, and I thought, you know, that's um, that maybe will offset the, the white liberal. So here was Jesse Jackson. He came into the it's the old Hilton down. It changed his name so many times. I can't remember what it is. But he, he went down uh, and, and talked and he told the black folk, look, stop taking uh, everything politically for granted. You're being used. I swear, I almost fell out of my chair. And then he told the story that the reason the blacks had always uh, 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 been, been uh, uh, involved in politics and wanted um, uh, uh, Richard Nixon to come down and see uh, Martin Luther King when Martin Luther King was in the Birmingham jail. And, and, and because Kennedy wasn't coming. And, and so they said, well, heck, let's see if the Republicans will come. And, and uh, Nixon didn't come. And so when Kennedy heard that Nixon didn't come, why Kennedy buddied up to, uh, to, to King and the trade-off deal then was made that since a Democrat went to see King in jail, uh, therefore the Democrats will be forever, black Democrats will be forever loyal to uh, the Democrats. But Jesse Jackson, incredibly, and I just about, I say, fell on my chair, said to the crowd, don't take that for granted. Open your eyes, you're being used. And I thought, wow, I didn't just hear that, did I? But let me tell you, friends, it never saw the light of day. It never made the papers. It never made the preacher pulpits. And you see where we are right now. We have got uh, dysfunctional government at the highest level in Gainesville. We're working on the story behind it. Uh, we are trying to determine before we go and say something publicly about uh, the details of it, and we're grouping them together. But let me just say to you that what I've learned so far from people who don't want to be known for their opinion in this community but want to give it to me 
anonymously is that it's completely dysfunctional. It's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. It may not even be able to get better because of the seven commission structure. Once it went to seven commissioners, uh, it was really a challenge to get anything done. And by the way, uh, this version of uh, single member districts that's going, to, that's going to come out of the Florida legislature is going to come out with five representatives, not seven. Uh, you've heard it first here. Um, and, and, and unless something happens at the last minute, it changes that. Uh, they don't want to put in a system that would mimic in any way, shape or form. Even Yvonne Henson Rawls, who's not Rawls, I can't keep up with her name changes, who's now a Democrat uh, representative uh, to the House, Florida, said, you don't want to do that. Look how screwed up the city. Even she said, look how screwed up the city of Gainesville is. So as long as you've got a, a boy named Lauren as your as your mayor and, uh, you know, that that little crowd over there, uh, the, 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 the kid who couldn't remember where he slept last night uh, when he was trying to figure out what district he lived in. I can't remember his name. Um, I deliberately uh, blank on him, uh, I guess. So there you are. And, it, it, you know, the title of the show is uh, Sophisticated State Failure. This is very sophisticated state failure. And usually, um, and people are not clear on this. I had a phone call from a friend who watches the show who could well be watching right now who, who asked, you know, who controls the hiring and firing of the staff? And it is the city manager. The city manager has control over, has a key to every building in, in the city uh, and controls every staff member in the city. The commissioners control the policy and the commissioners by a simple majority, uh, can fire the city manager and really not have any reason. Uh, with the county, it takes a three to two vote. Uh, it would take a four to seven vote uh, with the city commission uh, in Gainesville. So, so you have that situation that a, a manager is always and, uh, you know, working under that cloud. And so there's not much stability. And usually, rather than take the blame themselves, rather than uh, the boy named Lauren and his crowd take the blame themselves for the dysfunctional government. Uh, they will they will uh, blame it on the manager and they'll can the manager. Uh, so they'll they'll do that. And uh, you notice this manager is an interim manager, uh, which means um, a couple could mean a couple things. You know, as an interim, you're as I said yesterday, you're able probably to get more done than the regular manager because as a regular manager. You've gone through all this arduous process and, and uh, you know, uh, you know you don't want to be canned after taking your family out of wherever they are. This interim manager is local, uh, as best we can tell, has a residence over in Lincoln Estates, as best we can tell, and um, uh, is, is, is not got much to lose if somebody cans her. Uh, so she may be uh, actually, uh, but the bad move is moving Tony Jones anywhere. Uh, that 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 is a very very bad move. That's strictly a political move. It, it it will it's just dead wood. And if you want to examine the effectiveness of Tony Jones as a black police chief on black youth crime, it's gotten worse since he's been in there. And everybody in that police department won't say it publicly, but they'll say it quietly to the yours truly is he is a disaster. Now I like him. Okay, I mean. Uh, I like those guys, but, uh, you know, it's been a real chore over there to get a chief that can get something done um, and not kowtow to these. Because uh, the, the manager can hire and fire the chief. Um, it, it's, it's um, you know, without any, 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 any say-so from the commissioners uh, because the chief works as a staff member in this structure in Gainesville underneath the city manager. Now, in the county, just so you be sure you understand, uh, it's a different setup completely. The sheriff does not work for the county commission, although the county commission allocates a budget to the sheriff. The sheriff is a constitutional officer and does not work for the county commission and therefore has an independence from the county commission that the police chiefs don't have. The sheriff is the strongest uh, uh, constitutional officer in terms of uh, arrest power. The sheriff can arrest anywhere in the county. Uh, the sheriff is uh, always at war, though, generally, if you look back at all the way to Ulrich, 
Um, and, you know, beyond probably, but I'm certainly got aware of this with Steve Ulrich, is always involved with trying to fend off where the county meddles with the sheriff is the county, and Barley was horrible about this, is meddling with the sheriff's budget. The sheriff has control over the budget. The sheriff is given a lump sum of money, and then the sheriff is constitutionally makes the decisions, hires, these, hires the accountants, has its own attorney, everything else, and administers the sheriff's office. And I got to tell you, in any organization like that, be it Santa Fe College or the sheriff's office, about 80% of your budget goes to salaries. It's always, it's just, it's, it's standard. I mean, that's the way it works. And the other 20% uh, you spend on um, things you need. And one of the first places a liberal commission attacks is a sheriff's militarization or a police chief's quote unquote, as this communist Cuban says, who's a city commissioner, uh, she says the militarization of the police force, this is all political uh, trash and, you know, it's designed to appease blacks who she doesn't know a clue about. And, and uh, she's not even, she's never lived in the South. You, if you don't know blacks unless you were raised in the South. We were raised together. My first memory of going to church is going to a black church, okay? with the black lady who took care of us as kids. We had black nannies. Uh, they were wonderful. They taught us the, the Bible. They taught us our manners. They, they took care of the family. And my first memory uh, is of going to black church. And I was so, um, uh, 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 so happy to go because I was with somebody who loved me. And uh, there was another little kid. Uh, my, I remember it very clearly. It was a little girl. A black girl, she was dressed up in the most beautiful yellow dress and a yellow uh, um, ribbons. And, and, and we went together. It was a dusty road. It was in uh, Louisiana, uh, down by the Pearl River, uh, where my father was building locks after the war in 1947, 48 on the Pearl River. And uh, we were way back in the swamps. And uh, those were my playmates. Those were my friends. Those who I grew up with. Uh, you don't know uh, black folk if you're from uh, if you're a communist Cuban like this woman who's on the city commission. So uh, I venture to say that uh, uh, this is another piece of the problem with uh, sophisticated state failure. Uh, everybody talks. You know, I won't say everybody, but often people talk about that which they have no experience with. They don't have a clue. Uh, what they're talking about. Slavery being one of the big things. Uh, nobody alive today was a slave. And so you have to, how do you learn about it? Well, you read about it in books or you, and I know you've got to watch the books. Uh, and if you really want to read about it, accurately read the literature, read William Faulkner, read Southern literature. You'll see it very clearly, the good, bad, and the ugly. So um, that's a situation you have with state failure, uh, sophisticated, government failure. We've got a prime example of it. If you were a, uh, you were a, a, a student at the university in political science, you, you could come over and study the city of Gainesville. Um, the state, on the other hand, is in pretty good shape. We have a governor, a governor who, by golly, do you understand how closely we came, uh, closely we came to having that uh, Gillum as a governor? Can you imagine that? Just pause and think for a moment. Um, uh, how, what were we would be if you had Andrew Gillum for a governor? And his twin is this woman, uh, uh, fried, frazzled, frizzled, or whatever, freed, freed, fried, frazzled. Uh, she is absolutely as, well, she's not as bad as Gillum, but she's right in that camp. Uh, she's got a nasty mouth. Uh, she's um, uh, mean. Um, you know, she's out for herself. Uh, she's hooked up with the marijuana business uh, and doesn't recuse herself. Uh, she's a very, very treacherous person. She reminds me in many, many ways of Kamala Harris, who is probably as dumb as they come, uh, who is couldn't even rouse a support in the primaries. And yet she winds up one heartbeat away from running the country. We are in frightening. You talk about systematic, uh, sophisticated government state failure. 
man, you're looking at it straight in the face. But at the state level, uh, we've got a very strong governor who understands exactly how to play the rough and tumble game. And he knows exactly what states' rights are about. He knows exactly where the, um, um, the votes slipped through the cracks during the election. And he knows exactly the propaganda um, that the Democrats are putting out, that it's voter suppression. Um, I don't know how in the world uh, voter accountability becomes voter suppression. Um, it, you know, it is, you know, the language that we hear and that we see written is the most corrupted version of the English language that I've seen in quite a while. It is really, really, you got to have your head on straight to know what's happening to keep from, uh, you got to have, as my good friend Don Pierce used to say, who wrote Coan Luke, uh, you got to have a built-in crap detector. And if you don't have a built-in crap detector, you can't read today's headlines, uh, newspapers, you can't watch these little uh, David Muir's and all these people, these hysterical news announcers with breaking news. You, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't digest them. You can't read, see through them unless you have a built-in crap detector. And what this show is basically about is building for you or helping you build your own built-in crap detector. So we've been talking here in the first few minutes of the show about this failure of the government at a uh, local level, the city of Gainesville, and of course, the success of the government at the state level with DeSantis and how very, very, very narrowly we came to having an abject failure of the government at the state level had Gillum gotten in there. Um, it, it, you know, it, if it were not for the picture that, by golly, Facebook doesn't want you to see, YouTube doesn't want you to see, the, the, the acceptable media doesn't want you to see, but it did, it was shown, and I think we showed it, it's part of the public record of Gillum's behavior in South Florida. If it wasn't for the picture of him and lying in his own vomit with a foot there in the picture, he would probably be able to marshal a comeback. And that in itself, you see, is frightening. But that photograph, which they have done their best to purge from the memory and availability of the public, uh, uh, that he probably could have mounted some sort of, oh, well, he did try um, to, to mount an excuse, but it never materialized. So uh, if it were not for that picture, he probably, and, you know, uh, uh, Fried Fried Frazzle is right close to it as she appears in that door uh, with that marijuana leaf T-shirt on. Uh, and behind that door is, uh, is her uh, paramour, who is uh, married and getting divorced and linked up with her and in the marijuana business and, and you know, all that kind of thing. We're talking about marijuana and not with the cannabis THC content. We're talking about initially anyway, but we, everybody thinks that's a domino effect. As soon as you okay the growth of cannabis for medicinal purposes, it won't be long thereafter before you'll have it for uh, recreational purposes with stronger THC. So um, she's involved with all that. And uh, the, so, so we almost, my point in the first uh, 20, 25 minutes here is I want to go over with you um, this um, uh, uh, sophisticated state failure on the city and state level. We're gonna take a break now uh, with uh, my production guys and uh, uh, we're gonna heat my coffee. Maybe they'll give me a couple extra seconds here. And I'll come into the national sophisticated state failure. And boy, have we got it. Um, production, let's take a, a break for the sponsors. All right, my man. This is Ward Scott. And I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. The Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are on-the-spot dry cleaners, Okita America Martial Arts, R&R Construction, Gators Dockside, and Style Cuts. 
If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.awardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. Waterboy and Cornell, known as Minnie Mike and Cornell, wears elevator shoes and Cornell, he just wants to be like. Achtung, Achtung, the papers are not in order. Step out of the line and report to the inspection station. We are going to search your belongings. Mach schnell! Check this out, Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pat him. Hi, Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! All right, Professor Ward Scott here again in the Warthog Manly Command Center inside the Melton Law Studio. 352-325-3938 or Facebook chat. I've been uh, going through what I call today's show, today's class, Sophisticated State Failure. I'm on, I can't, we can't play the song because it would be a copyrighted and all that, and we'd have to go through all those hoops. But I'm just going, I'm going to say the lyrics to you. I might even sing a little bit of it to you. Well, not really. But I'm going to start out with this. Now, this is a fictional technique. You start out at the end, and then you work your way up to the events that led to the end, which you actually put the end at the beginning. You understand what I'm saying? Well, you will in a minute. The devil went down to Georgia. He was looking for a soul to steal. He was in a bind cause he was way behind and he was willing to make a deal. When he came across this young man sawing on a fiddle and playing it hot and the devil jumped up on a hickory stump and said, boy, let me tell you what. I guess you didn't know it, but I'm a fiddle player, too. And if you care to take a dare, I'll make a bet with you. Now, you play a pretty good fiddle, boy, but give the devil his due. I'll bet a fiddle of gold against your soul because I think I'm better than you. Well, I'm going to quit her right there, my man and women and students. And what do you think we're talking about, my friends? The devil went down to Georgia, right? What did the devil do? Huh? Well, Biden went to Georgia. Biden went to Georgia. And he might as well have been singing what I just said. Might he not? Let me repeat just a little bit of these great lyrics for you. The devil went down to Georgia. He was looking for a soul to steal. Substitute vote. Okay. He was in a bind because he was way behind and he was willing to make a deal. He's way behind. His build back better. It ain't nowhere. And he comes across a young man, right? He comes across these people that he's going to sing this tune to. And he's going to try to hornswoggle into thinking he is the real deal, that he is not yet one more example, my friends, of, hey, sophisticated state failure. This guy went down there, took the stage. I'm just going to read from the L.A. Times, which is 
about as far from Georgia as you can get. Uh, what's he want? Oh, I'm going to get 100 million vaccine shots in the first 100 days. Uh, he's going to double that now. See, he said, oh, I didn't do enough. I'm going to double that. He touted the $1.9 trillion American rescue plan that he enacted. He gave $1,400 direct relief checks to the millions of Americans. Boy, that's, this is the devil talking. And it made it created inflation. We know that. Um, he gave out child tax credits. He gave out mass vaccination sites. He got schools to reopen. Um, he enabled the Democrats to sweep two Senate runoffs in Georgia. Huh? Wow, boy, I'm telling you. And his COVID relief bill is one of the most consequential laws ever enacted. Huh? Well, well, well. You hear the devil in the voice here? You hear the devil? Now, he is said he'd been quiet too long. By golly, he's going to get out there and he's going to tell them all about it. Uh, he's going to follow up with a coronavirus relief bill with another $4 trillion of investments. And they're going to be in the country's infrastructure. And they're going to expand benefits for workers and families. Meanwhile, right now, the inflation, I jotted it down just a moment ago, came out, is at 7%. Okay? 7%. Now, let me stop for a moment and tell you about 7%. Do you know that if you've got your money socked away somewhere for retirement, and you're lucky if you can find a steady 7 you won't find it, uh, that you lose it? The money is sitting there losing value with this dude, this devil in the White House. Now, he, he, ain't, he ain't done. Uh, he's going to give $1.8 trillion in subsidies uh, for free school, right? Free preschool, free, free. And free two years of community. God, the guy is on dope. I don't know what else is going on here. Um, he would guarantee that low-income families pay no more than 7% of their earnings on child care. Oh, boy. Uh, that's all we need is greater numbers of kids for greater population pressure. That's really all we need. Uh, he's going to expand tax credits for federal paid family and medical leave policy. That's all we need. We'll have fewer and fewer doctors and more and more uh, institutional care uh, run by money managers rather than physicians. Come on. Who are you kidding, man? Um, calls this the American Families Plan. Um, He's going to improve roads and bridges. And hey, what's is he lying or what? Let me tell you, how many federal roads are there here in this community that the devil could improve? You, 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 how many county roads do you drive down? Huh? Who improves the county roads? This is just, you know, I've come to the place where I'm sorry. Politicians are some of the most despicable people generally. There are some few here and there generally that you'll ever bump into. I mean, it, 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 the larger the state they govern, the worse they are, okay, I think. Now, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. That, 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 that just a summation of where he, the devil when he went. Thank you for the, thank you for the applause for my singing. I could probably get that out, Ken. I could probably fiddle that and, uh, I get that going. Um, uh, yeah, you know, it's funny, Ken. The can I understand that Stacey Abrams uh, did not, jilted him, did not show up, but the Los Angeles Times tried to claim he did. And I think that's that's uh, fake news. I don't think that actually happened. Um, so meanwhile, all this all this stuff that he's saying about vaccines. Now, listen, I've been really investigating this vaccine thing every day. It says I have to because it's in the news. OK. And I'm going to ask for your help right now. I'm, I've heard everything. I've, I've practically, and everything, anything you want to believe about COVID is there for you to pick and choose from. Um, if you want to believe that the world is flat, why, they got a version of that. If you want to believe that the earth is the center of the universe, well, they got a version of that. Well, I, I, you can believe if you want to. Now, that's not saying everybody's going to believe it, but there's versions. And this is analogous to the COVID thing. I had a very bright person tell me yesterday, in sincere earnest, 
after much due diligence and research, this person told me that I finally got it boiled down to why the person would it was refusing to get vaccinated. OK, absolutely staunchly refused to get vaccinated. And, you know, I've been vaccinated. I, my first shot was in January last year. So I, I, my first shot was a year ago, just about now. Uh, then I got to second and then I got the booster here not too long ago, back in the end of 2021. So uh, I, I finally boiled it down. So I said, well, you know, here I am. I'm on the opposite end of the continuum. I've had all the shots and you've had none of the shots. Why is there this, this difference between us? And, you know, initially the response was filled with uh, literature. And I said, I don't want that. I don't want any of that. I just want to know what about me? Uh, what is going to happen to me? Okay. And because uh, I mean, I'm, I've had all the stuff and nothing bothers me. Okay. I've been, listen, there's a lot of stuff that can bother you. And I've been through it, but this ain't one of them. So anyway, I'm just curious. I'm, I'm serious. I'm, I'm curious about why, you know, we're so, so far apart. And this person said, now I'm going to ask you guys this. I'm going to ask you guys this. And I researched it to find out where it came from. This person said that two years from the date of taking your first mRNA COVID shot. Are you ready? Your immune system will collapse. And I sat back and I said, just for me or for everybody? And this person said, for everybody. Your immune system will collapse. Well, I've heard a lot of stuff. So I got to looking around for that. And I tried to figure out. Where in the hell did that come from? And I could trace it back to a chiropractor. There was a chiropractor. Now you go do your own research, students. A chiropractor did some kind of figuring and arguing and head scratching and interpretation of the, the constellations and all this stuff and came up with the fact that exactly two years or very near that from the date you have your first COVID 19 mRNA vaccination, your immune system will collapse. Well, let me tell you something, friends. If I'm around a year from now, we're going to parade me out, roll me out, and I want to appear, if I can, in front of you. Maybe I won't be able to because by then, maybe I'll have everything. I mean, if my immune system collapse, then, then I'll have everything that you can possibly get. Well, I'm not what all does your immune system fend off every single day that we take for granted? The whole system is supposed to collapse. And now that we've got Omicron, here's a big article by a guy who is in immunodeficiency virus studies who says that the Omicron um, really doesn't, uh, isn't affected by what you took. Well, I'm, I understand that. The virus is going to adjust and we're going to adjust. You know, there were babies born of people, of mothers with HIV who didn't have HIV. So there's a lot of mysteries about all this. So my point is I'm waiting around. I got one more year and everybody else does too, has, according to the conversation I had yesterday, has only one year of health left as a result of taking the MNRA or whatever it is, engineered vaccine. Okay, finally, I got a date, certain. Finally, I got a position, certain. And finally, I got a reason for the reluctance to participate and take the vaccine. I'm okay, I'll accept that. The person has a reason. Now, does anybody else out there have that reason? Or would you admit it here on face chat? I'm waiting. Does anybody else have that reason? The, the, the Supreme Court is even confused. We know this. Let me let me just go through this. Justice Breyer 
he declared, and they're all up there scratching their heads about COVID, that it's unbelievable that it could be in the public interest to suddenly stop these vaccinations. Okay, I'm putting all this together, my friends, trying to figure out what's what, right? Now, the mandate, by the way, by Biden that he's talking about, by virtue of the limits on his executive power, and there's going to be an amicus case on this, and we'll be talking very soon about it. We'll have a guest on the show who will talk about this, this uh, coming up. His mandate can only affect 25% of the population. He can't, Biden can't issue a federal decree that is enforceable that everybody gets a COVID by law, federal law, vaccination. Uh, you can get it at your employer's behest or you can get the vaccination voluntarily, uh, but Biden can only affect federal workers if that. So even if the Biden workplace mandate is approved, it's gonna have negligible, almost invisible impact on vaccination rates or the pandemic. Now, Doug Jones, I'm gonna to get to Sotomayor, whom is the only reason Sotomayor is a Supreme Court justice is that she's, she fills a formulaic need. They needed A, a woman. B, they needed a Hispanic. They didn't, they didn't ask if they had any brains. They just asked for that formula. And that's what they got. They got one with no brains. And everybody knows it. She claimed uh, uh, that uh, uh, Omicron was filling the hospital with kids, many on ventilators. And, oh, my God, even the Washington Post, even the Washington Post uh, gave her four Pinocchios for that uh, and said, my God, shouldn't the Supreme Court justices make rulings based on correct data? Well, in defense of that lame brain woman, it's difficult to get the correct data. When you've got people on the one end of the continuum saying, in exactly two years from the day you took, you took. now we, we're going to know this, this data will at least be observable and provable a year from now, for me anyway, and, for, and I wasn't the only one in the room that day getting the shot. My God, the parking lot was filled up with people getting the shot. I couldn't even get the shot in Alachua County. I had to go to Union County. So, so there's going to be a whole hell of a lot of us who are going to all of a sudden, you're going to see lying by the side of the road a year from now. Now, I got to tell you, that doesn't sound reasonable to me, but I'm not going to, you know, crawl inside somebody's head to chase the snakes. I mean, if that's the way it is, then we'll know. At least we'll know that that. Uh, the, uh, the, 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 whole, the whole, well, Biden obviously is using COVID, and this is According to an article by uh, a observer, let me see if I can get his name up here, it came out of the, it, was a, it was an opinion piece in the Wall Street Journal. Biden is getting his approach to COVID. Um, and this is funny. This was in the Wall Street Journal opinion page. Let me read it to you. I had, I had put a star by this. It was so funny. Biden is getting his approach to COVID the same way he approached law school. Do you remember? The story about Biden in law school, think about it for a minute. He was almost kicked out for plagiarism. He was almost, you know, you talk about evidence that you don't have to have any qualifications to be the president of the United States. Look at Biden. He was almost kicked out of law school for play, probably should have been. He finished near the bottom of his class, but he pretends that he was at the top. He pretended in his speech that he was arrested in a civil rights fracas at some point. That's BS from everything I can find. So Biden is full of all important self-interested political messaging, and he wants this slogan to be Biden defeats COVID. Biden defeats COVID. 
This is written by Holman Jenkins, whom I come to think has got a brain. So are you kidding me? As he talked to the guy I talked to yesterday, as he talked to that guy who is not dumb, by the way, and who is a scientist of all things, who has a different batch of data than a lot of people, but who, who's to say it ain't the right batch, that a year from now, yours truly will have no immune system. I ain't seen anybody else out of our face chatted. Let me see if anybody believes that. Well, Mr. Murphy thinks that the, uh, the person who said that is delusional. I guess it's the person who said it and or Biden or maybe both. I don't know. Clarify that for me, please, Jim. Um, there you are. I mean, it is it is all part of the of what is being called in many circles, the big lie. OK, and wrapped up in the big lie, as you know, is um, all this stuff about climate change. Listen, climate change. Let me, let me let me segue over to climate. I was going to save it all for a while, but I am so disgusted with all this climate change crap. I mean, these people really would have you believe um, that it's the most urgent issue. Um, oh, he's talking about Biden. Okay. Um, it's the most urgent issue in the universe, climate change. Okay. The Quinnipiac poll as you know, that polls are polls. They polled to see if the people agreed with the climate change nutcases. Um, you know, that's my editorialization. OK. Um, and guess what? For the Republicans, uh, the most important. Uh, let me see what this is. I wouldn't cling to the one year data. OK. Um, so maybe it's two years, Michael. Maybe it's three. OK. He's going to give me an extended lease on life. Um, so in the Quinnipiac poll data, uh, people don't give a damn about COVID. What, what do you think the number one thing they care about is? Huh? 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 If they're Republican. If they're Republican. Huh? 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 Immigration. Immigration. Now, if immigration and COVID were ever connected, do you think any of those people coming across the border illegally are COVID tested? It's nuts. Maybe they shouldn't be because, hey, maybe if we gave them the shot two years, they'd be dead from the shot. That might work, huh? I don't know. What's the second most important thing to the Republicans? First is immigration. What's the second? This is Andy Kessler's column a few days back. I dug it out of the midnight auto yard. Huh? The economy. The economy. Does he mention, does old the devil went down to Georgia? Does he mention anything about inflation in his speech? Does he mention anything about the economy? No. He talks about voter suppression, which is really voter accountability. He wants the federal government to ram through whatever has to, if it has to change the rules. The federal debt is down there on the Republican. It's not even, doesn't even appear on the Democrat side of the ledger. The Democrats, uh, uh, yeah, Robert, I mean, the, the, the virus will mutate and then you'll have to mutate while you treat the virus and all that. Meanwhile, some along, where along in the line, people will toughen up, I guess, to it. and uh, The weak will perish and the strong will survive. I don't, what do I know? I know nothing now. I'm more confused than I ever was. Okay, and I was pretty confused about this. Started off not even talking about it. Um, because there are bigger problems. I mean, hey, you know, there's smoking, right? There's crazy drivers. There's diabetes. Cancers. There's a lot of problems. So for the Democrats, the first, what's the first thing on their, on their priority list? Climate change. Climate change. They want to go back into reverse thinking. And so Andy Kessler tells a story of being hiking um, in, uh, in, in, you know, north of San, uh, San Francisco and they came upon a coyote. And uh, so they had a dog, their dog with them. They let the dog go to go chase the coyote. And uh, some woke person came along and said and chastised him 
for letting the dog go and said, well, listen, that coyote was here first. And this is the rationale for climate change. Well, you know, we ought to go back the way it was. We ain't going back the way it was. Not when China just even isn't even in the conversation. They, they don't even have a they don't even care about what you care about. It's not even. But meanwhile, this is how bad it is. Now, this is really scary. And, and, and this is where you got to go if you really want to figure out what's going on. Huh? I was talking about the money we got in our pocket. If we got money. We got credit cards or something. Maybe we got that stuff we pay for stuff with. All right. What do you think is the Jerome Powell is a guy who is facing Senate Banking Committee confirmation to be on the Federal Reserve uh, Board? Okay. It's a powerful it's a powerful committee. All right. What do you think the leading issue is that the Democrats are grilling him about if they if he wants confirmation on the Senate Banking Committee? Can you take a guess? Can you take a guess? It is climate regulation, my friends, my students. It is climate regulation. And how does that work? Well, you're not going to lend money as a bank if the federal banking, Senate Banking Committee has anything to say about it. You're not going to lend money as a bank to businesses that are not green. Huh? No mention of inflation. How did inflation start? Probably with the excess supply of money that Biden dumped into the thing to get people through the so-called pandemic. And what did it do? It depleted the job market. People no longer wanted to work. And investment, uh, all of a sudden, inflation took off. But the uh, Fed wants to use its regulatory power to deny lending and investment in fossil fuel businesses and to shift it to renewables. Now, already in Europe, they know this is a bunch of crap uh, because they have had rolling blackouts. They, the wind doesn't blow all the time. Merkel shut down nuclear power. Uh, all this shit, meanwhile, China could, give, could care less, absolutely care less. And um, here we are. Uh, we have now got what... Uh, is called a climate stress test for banks, all right? And uh, we're going to be pressuring the Fed to create what's called climate bank stress tests. And what the left wants to have happen is stress tests through lending policies that banks have to follow will reduce and eventually eliminate Financing, are you ready for this? For coal, natural gas, and oil development. Now, all you have to do, my friends, now remember the title of today's show is uh, 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 Sophisticated State uh, uh, Failure. All you have to do is look at that approach and how it's affected utility rates in GRU. So what we've done here, my friends, and Biden makes no mention of this, you know, he doesn't want to be too intelligent to that Georgia crowd. The Georgia crowd just wants to hear, if they were dumb enough to come out and hear him in the first place, they just want to hear certain talking points. And he already has farmed those ahead of time through crowd research, and he knows what to give them so to push certain buttons. It's the most dishonest conversation technique in the world. Uh, I don't care whether you uh, approve or disapprove of what I'm saying. Uh, I'm not out trying to get a vote from you. Um, I'm trying to help you understand how to be critical thinkers. Um, so this is going to be the political allocation capital. And um, it's um, going to become the monetary policy. And the economists are calling it, you know, we've been calling it inflation, but the economists are calling it 
Greenflation. I got a quote I want to read. I guess we're off. Oh, no, we're still on. I got a quote. Um, okay, my friends, I'm going to conclude with this, students. Tell me who said this. The function of education is to teach one to think intensely and to think critically. Who said that? The function of education is to teach one to think intensely and think critically. Who said it? Martin Luther King. Have a good day. <laughs>